What's happening, world? I'm your host, the Wizard of Waz, Benji Wozniak. And this week, Kara and I and Silent Ben will be talking about urban legends from uh, other countries. So it's, it's going to be exciting. We have to actually hear Ben speak. And I'm, I'm going to start it out. And I'm going to start it out with Baba Yaga, a Russian folklore. So so Baba Yaga is an ancient swamp witch who loves to eat people. Uh, she's mentioned in Ant-Man and the Wasp. And uh, she's an old crone with thin lips who lives in a hut and walks on chicken legs. She's got dark brown claws, uh, wild stringy hair, jerky skin, and she's mostly always clutching a spindly broom. So uh, she's uh, a typical witch. Uh, she appears in a story called Vasilis the Beautiful. Uh, Vasilis lives with her stepmother and two stepsisters who conspire to kill her, i.e. Cinderella. They send Vasila off to Baba Yaga, who they want her to eat her like a person would eat a chicken wing. Uh, but Baba Yaga doesn't. Instead, she actually helps her and has her do some menial tasks, such as separating grain from rice and from wheat kernels and trying to get her to fail, but she doesn't. So in reward, Baba Yaga gives her a skull lantern that lines her cabin. And when she goes back to her family, the lantern lights them all on fire and consumes them. So uh, Vasilis ends up marrying the Tsar. And again, it's sort of a Cinderella-ish kind of thing. But instead of having a stepmother, you know, it's doing all good, and, you know, fairy godmother, she has Baba Yaga. Yaga, who is an evil witch. Uh, in many cases, Baba Yaga isn't, uh, you know, that kind. She's actually like, you know, someone that wants to eat you and kill you. Uh, Baba Yaga actually has recently become very famous and uh, people have flocked to her because she's outside the bounds of morality and her uh, often comes as a menacing form. So in some ways, she's actually an earth mother. In many Baba Yaga tales, she wants to shove uh, her victims into stoves, i.e. Hansel and Gretel. But in the Hansel and Gretel story, she herself gets shoved into the stove and cooked. Um, she's actually grown in popularity in recent times, becoming a compelling woman figure because of her rejection of social standards and the power that comes from, from being a, an independent woman. She's an outlier with the power that isn't derived from beauty or, or her relationship with others. Instead, it comes from within earth, hut, and fiery stove. So that's the story of Baba Yaga. Uh, so what do you think, Kara? I like the story of Baba Yaga. Um, I was introduced to it first through um, the mistelling of her and Hansel and Gretel because the Grimm brothers stole everything from Eastern Europe. Very fun. But I thought, I think she's super fascinating because I love an evil woman and I love a good evil woman and I think she is both of these things and I think it's really interesting that like what can be good to some is like bad to others yeah I agree and like in a lot of stories they show like this woman living in a hut and with magical powers and all kinds of stories uh, was the one with the redheaded girl from Disney Brave Brave they do that and uh, she ends up granting powers and she has the cauldron so uh, yeah she's actually been around for a long time and they do use her in different circumstances and uh she's still viewed today in the russian area uh you know czechoslovakia poland and other is this person that will come get you and kill you if you wander into the woods which i think is so funny that like witches always have to live in the woods right they're always like these fringe members of society but they're our most powerful members i guess it's like i guess all mythics and like druids and they can go back to times like that where everyone is a fringe society but i think it's so cool that when I hear the story of you talking about Baba Yaga now, I'm not imagining this like rare old like type of woman. I'm imagining someone like kind of like dark and like evil and like fun. Yeah, I think her character kind of goes with the the male stereotyping. Like if a woman has power or anything that like they can't deal with, she's evil. She's bad. She's the person that you know is going to hurt them or hurt somebody. Uh, they don't like look at women with power as someone like 
you know, that could be on the positive side. But they do swing her to, like, where she might do good if it's beneficial to her. Which, I mean, isn't that, like, every man? I'm just going to do good if it's beneficial to me. So <laughs> maybe she's more in line with that than we think. Ouch. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So thank you, male bashing. <laughs> so any male listening to this, just know that I, I apologize, uh, but, but we suck. I mean, <laughs> we stereotype women as people that want to hurt us. I mean, you know, those heartbreakers. But uh, so the next story is going to be Kira and uh, hopefully it's not male bashing 101. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was, that was fully a joke that was made in jest. My mistake, y'all. My mistake. So my story is actually also about an evil woman but this is about a chikusin which is a korean toilet goddess or ghost now we're going to kind of break up the story in two ways because there's a lot to cover so first we're going to tell a story of what a a chikusin would do so she haunts the outhouse or the toilet so if you go in on days that end in six so six 16 and 26 and you don't perform a ritual beforehand or cough three times before you come in her hair will come down and touch you and once her hair touches you you become sick so sick that no one can cure you and then if you don't offer her food because she's so hungry she's like trapped here and she's hungry then she will drag you down and kill you so kind of intense right very scary. I already have enough bathroom anxiety as it is. <laughs> and now I have to deal with all this. But what is interesting is how she came about. So with all lores, it all starts from a like a story, right? So the story of the Chikusin is that this older like man essentially went into town one day to do some bidding. And since he was doing his bidding and like his selling his goods, he got waywardly taken by a young mistress in the town and she ended up blinding him and keeping him there and now so then he's abandoned his seven sons and his wife so the wife comes looking for him and while she's looking for him in the town the mistress wind of it and she's like can't have this can't have this so she convinced so she steals the wife's cooking and convinces the husband that she's the wife and then leads him back to the village and she disguises herself to be the mother for these seven sons now the real mother is trapped on this island with this mistress now being her impersonator. The yelled, the youngest son realizes something's off. He's like, this isn't my mother. She's not sharing an umbrella with me. She's not helping me. What's going on? And she, he tries to convince his six elder brothers. He's like, something's wrong, something's wrong. He tries to convince his father he can't. The mom, the original mom, comes back and, she's, and her and her son try to cook up this plan to show that the mistress is tricking everyone. Obviously that fails because the en- mistress ends up killing the mother. Now the son is distraught and he leaves and he goes to pray to the goddess. And please, if I pronounce anything wrong, I am so sorry. I was trying to do this correctly. Shawanjing. And this is the the goddess of everything, goddess of life. And the youngest son is praying to her, asking to bring back his mother. Through pity, the goddess does. She brings back the mother. Now the mother and the son are coming back to get the mistress and they could and now the mistress knows so she actually goes and hangs herself in the bathroom this is where it comes and then through everything now that they've defeated her the mom can't stay alive forever this was like kind of like a one-time thing so chenoweng the goddess decides to impart like gifts onto everyone so that the mother becomes the goddess of the home and the hearth and the kitchen because like that's where home is that's where love is so now this mother is the goddess of the earth hearth and now we have the evil malevolent goddess chikusin in the bathroom so it kind of actually is very interesting because they say you can never bring so that's the story of the chikusin 
that's haunted story and then that's where it came from so now if we see that living what what's remnants that's living today in the society from this story you can never bring anything from the kitchen into the bathroom or anything from the bathroom into the kitchen to make those two goddesses mad at each other because they hate each other and it's kind of interesting because back then it was kind of saying you don't want to contaminate your food with your poop basically because that's what was happening so it's like to get this story to get that from this story why are you laughing Okay, well, <laughs> I thought it was interesting. So, yes, the Chikusin is a evil toilet Korean ghost who will choke you out and kill you if you don't feed her or if you don't pray to her on days 6, 16, and 26. Okay, so that's kind of creepy. Uh, I, now I'm kind of nervous to go to the bathroom without bringing, like, a, ch- a chicken wing. I mean, <laughs> I mean, and then, like, 6, 16, and 26. I mean, those are, you know, who keeps track of days like that? That's kind of odd. You know, I'm like, oh, oh my God, it's the 26th. I have to bring in a, 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 a pork chop. I mean, <laughs> or knock on the door and do a ritual. And by the way, if I have to go real bad, I'm not doing a ritual. <laughs> my ritual will, will be on the toilet going, good God, please come out. <laughs> Hold on. But I think it's so true. Cause, I mean, think about like you have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, right? First of all, it's already dark. I'm half asleep and scared. Now I have to think of there's an actual ghost coming to get me. No, I don't even know. <laughs> Silent Ben, would you like to do you have any thoughts on the ghost? Yeah, so so uh, Silent Ben is not ready yet. <laughs> we are working on it. Although my dog is snuffing and huffing right next to us. So if you hear any like, you know, oof, 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 it's not us. It's actually Puppy. That's Cisco. And he's also a silent member of this who doesn't want to be silent. So we're going to go on to another story. It's going to be called The Slipmouth Woman from Japan. Her name is Kusaki Ona. She brandishes a large scissor and preys on unsuspecting passers by mostly children. And uh, she wears a mask to hide her... Um, jagged bloody scarred uh, remnants of a smile she was disfigured and murdered by a jealous husband and she is a malicious spirit returned from the dead who can appear anywhere at any time really creepy um so i don't know if you know japan culture like now during the pandemic everybody wears a mask but in japan they wore masks anyway like if someone had a cold or was sick they'd wear a mask it was just common courtesy uh, if you were sick you didn't go out in public without wearing this mask this kind of played into like the spirit's nature because she always wears a mask and what it is is she'll walk up to someone and say do you think i'm pretty if you say no she'll follow you home wait to go to sleep and kill you if you say yes she'll remove her mask and say do you still think i'm pretty and kill you so either way you die she she doesn't care she's just gonna kill you so in 2007 a coroner found a bunch of similar cases of murder in this situation. And uh, it was so profound in Japan that he had like a special task force put together to search for the slipmouth woman. So, And it still goes on today that these murders are happening. So you know, little kids are afraid to walk home because this lady might come up to him and say, do you think I'm pretty? There is a way to fool her, though. You just have to ask her, do you think you're pretty? And while she stands there dumbfounded, you take off. You run. You get your butt out of there. <laughs> so it is a way to beat her. But many kids don't think that when you're approached by someone on the street asking, do you think I'm pretty? Your first thing isn't like, oh, I must trick this person because you just think it's a normal person. You don't think it's some you know, rabid ghost that wants to cut you to pieces. America also has a version of this. It's a clown that's in the Northwest and it hides in a bathroom and it-ish kind of, but um, it'll ask you, you know, do you, uh, he'll ask you, do you want death or do you want a smile? And if you say a smile, he carves a smile into your face. So uh, either way, you're dead. So the slipmouth woman 
is actually what they believe to be the start of the Joker uh, from Batman. They think that the people got the idea for the the mouth smile from her story, and it makes a lot of sense, you know, because the Joker has this grimacing smile that terrifies you, and so does the Slipmouth woman when she takes off her mask. So that was I thought that was kind of an interesting take on it. So Kira, two cents. So I find it super interesting, and while we were brainstorming this episode, we hadn't really we you were the one who introduced me to the Slipmouth woman, and while listening to the story and learning about it it brought me back to playing Mortal Kombat and one of the main characters is Melina and she wears a mask she is a stepsister to Katana daughter of Sindel and she actually has slits in her mouth that go all the way up that she covers and then reveals and does eat she doesn't target children she targets other players but um I think that's really interesting and I bet they put took a lot from that story into her character I would love to do more research on that now but I found that super interesting. And same with the Joker, I think, because you would look at comic books to be such original ideas and it's like, well, everything comes from somewhere. Valid point. And it, you know, like I said, it is a scary story, especially if you're like you're a little kid, you know, and you're in Japan and you know, if someone walks by you with the mask on that's a woman, then you'll you know, it'd be terrifying, especially if you're alone in a dark alley or, you know, something like that. It would, you know, kind of freak you out. You, even if it's nothing, like I get freaked out about everything. Like I'll lay in bed at night and like I'll just look over and be like, What was that? What was that? There's nothing. Okay, bye, night. <laughs> so I can spook myself, no problem. <laughs> This is my question, though, because I'm with you, Ben. I spook myself, no problem. But what is with all these malevolent spirits and ghosts and, like, evil supernatural beings, like, haunting and, like, terrifying children? Like, if I was them, I would be haunting and terrifying adults. Like, I have no problems with kids. They're just, like, sticky and loud. Like, they can do their own thing. (laughs) I think they're actually, like, moral... Uh, lessons that the adults put into life, you know, like, don't do this, so you'll get this. Don't do this. You know, like, don't insult anybody or you'll have repercussions. You know, don't tell anybody you're hideous, you know, or else, or else you know, you'll have a repercussion. I mean, so I just think that it's kind of everything revolves around moral values and like letting everybody, you know, be nice to each other. And if you're not nice to each other, then there's repercussions you have to face. I mean, Absolutely. And no, I totally, I totally, totally, totally agree with that. You have to be a good person because, I mean, if you're a bad person, you're going to have no friends. And everyone's going to hate you. You're going to turn into the slip mouth woman just killing people because you want to be called pretty. I mean, I feel bad for her. But like what what bothers me is that we should make these scary stories for adults, too, because little kids can learn and we can teach them morals. But I feel like I'm encountering more and more people in my adult life that I think we need to teach morals because it's like what you learn in kindergarten is important but maybe you should be retaught it because you're not acting like it in your 20s and 30s. See, I think like serial killers are the moral equivalent of what you're saying. Like most serial killers were verbally abused, physically abused as children. And when they got older, they don't take it out on children. They take it on adults adults who abuse them. So like they slaughter uh, men, women, basically leave the children alone because like they were innocent children that were hurt. So they look in at children and don't really hurt the children where they take it on the, the adults who they view as the, the bad person, the evil person that's going to hurt somebody, i.e. a child. So they, my view, like serial killers basically take out someone that they feel is going to hurt a child. I would say certain serial killers, there are obvious serial killers that do attack children. So we should, yeah, we should not give them a pass because they are the lowest of the low. But yeah, no, going back to like, like the morals of these stories, I think it's so fun to have 
have morals put in a way that is in the horror genre because with horror I think you can explore so many more human emotions because there's something so primal and something so visceral about fear and what gets people afraid and I think to find universal themes is so interesting because they can brought they can go over so many different topics yeah I agree um, I just found out recently that uh, Little Red Riding Hood is actually a moral story about sex where it tells women basically you know don't trust the big bad wolf which is i.e. a man and you know and like he gets in the bed he, he eats the grandmother he's waiting in bed for her you know it's a setup in the bed and I didn't I did not realize this I was like you know and then I put two and two together and I go, oh yeah that's kind of makes sense now you know it's all about this young girl wearing red uh, a young virgin and she's going to the house you know and the guy the guy's there like the wolf waiting on her to pray on her and it's like about pr- men preying on women you know, and I, I didn't see that at first. I just thought it was a wolf eating a girl. But then someone pointed it out to me and I went, oh, yeah, it does make more sense that way, doesn't it? You know, that's really interesting. And I actually never heard that until you just said it. And now I'm thinking about it. So if I seem scattered, it's because I'm processing in real time. And I actually love that analogy. And I think it's super interesting because I, I think you could even take the, the man in her bed dressing up as her grandmother being like disguised as a good guy even though he's just a wolf underneath i think that's super interesting and i actually love this but one thing i hate about it is that we always have stories about how bad men are and how women should protect themselves which is great but i want a story about how a man shouldn't be terrible i'm sick of like it's all on the woman protect yourself do this yes i can protect myself and i know how to do this but shouldn't we be telling these men not to be aggressive like maybe we should start there Maybe, but I mean, I would just like to see more stories of that in the future. I think more stories like that are coming out because, well, I would hope so. But I think looking back at Red Riding Hood like that, I really, I really like it. And it's giving me a lot to think about right now. Yeah. Like I said, when I found out that I was like, ooh, that's actually interesting. But um, again, I think you're right about the, you know, maybe more empowered women, you know, and men not being so aggressive. You know, I think it all goes back to the whole idea of a caveman, you know, the man hitting the girl over the head with a club. And you come with me, wife. You know, I think that kind of like the ego of man kind of gets into the way when people because they put them out to be that way. They're like, oh, men are this, you know, and in reality, like I'm a guy. I think I'm a manly man. And I'm not like, that. I mean, it's, I don't want to hurt women when I was younger. I can't say that. But, um, you know, when you're young and you 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 know you're just you're not trying to hurt anybody you're just being a guy you know you, I don't know okay but let's i would love to just go back into that phrase being a guy because okay so yes we're younger and when we're younger as part of adolescence as we learn as we know through like pushing boundaries and puberty and our brain developing we are going to see what we can get away with to whatever extent i like stealing candy lying cheating whatever when we're younger we make these bad decisions because we're seeing what we can get away with we're testing the boundaries of who we are and the people around us so that i get but the fr- but there is no such thing as just being a guy because with that you're like oh boys will be boys it's like no boys will be boys because we allow them to get away with this pattern of behavior that is inappropriate and it's upsetting because and it goes back it's not just on individual men it's on the society of men we tell boys they can't cry we tell boys they have to be strong we tell boys that they have to do all these things and be aggressive towards women and that's how you get the girl or that's how you get ahead in life and that's just not true i'm seeing a rise in it with all these like alpha male like you got to be the best you got to be you no you have to be your most authentic self and you're playing into this idea men will be men but what is a man what is 
the identity of a man because if we're looking back to like 40s and 50s where we said men had to be providers and they had to be this that's not true anymore because women can provide for themselves so what what i don't understand why that's a thing and boys are not and you're saying boys are natural aggressors okay then give them punishment for their actions because maybe they won't be aggressive in that way so i mean and we're coming from two different times, Ben, and I never want to feel like I'm attacking you. But like, what do you think on the phrase like just ju- being just a guy? Because like you weren't out here hurting people, were you? No, absolutely not. Like not not hurting people. I wasn't being nice to people like women and stuff. I mean, I'm not going to say I was I was kind of a dog. You know, I, I, I wasn't a good person. And you're right. It is different time periods. And it, but it doesn't justify anything. Like I'm not justifying my time period or like what I'm saying. Um, the whole phrase boys will be boys i agree with you it's it's a stupid thing because we all are justified like have to answer for our actions whether it's a boy a girl a they a them everybody that hurts anybody deserves to be punished i'm not saying like brutally punished but you know have to, they have to answer for what they've done that the terminology back then boys will be boys men will be men it, it, it there's no time for it anymore there's no time for it because those phrases to me are synonymous with no punishment and i think speaking as myself and in my own experience i see all these stories and i hear all these stories of friends and i see stories on the news of men just getting away with horrible things i mean we i mean there's no there's no gauge and there's no real system for harassment it's one of the hardest things to just to prosecute to bring up to have people held accountable for and i think it's just that mentality for so long has let so many people get away from it now that when people are being confronted by it they're like oh am i a bad guy am i a bad person no maybe if you excuse those things maybe you should look inside yourself and see why Maybe if you did those things, you should look inside yourself and see why. But like, it's all about growth. And I think these stories are about growth. And I think that like, we have to, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this thought. Like I said, guys, real time live processing, but I'm going to pass it back to Ben. No, but it is an interesting topic and we should get back on it at some point. So the next story actually is from Hira. Oh my God. I got so heated. You guys, I blacked out for a second and I forgot that we were doing lore. I, if I sounded ranty, I am very apologetic. I just have some strong feelings sometimes. So. My next story isn't a full lore story. It's more about a haunted place. Now, um, for those who don't know, Ben Ben and I, we reside in New England. So this story is actually very close to us in New England um, because this actually takes place in Bridgewater, Mass. So in Bridgewater, Mass, there's a 200-mile square radius that is known as the Bridgewater Triangle. Now, within this this 200-mile radius, there are so many things like paranormal things that happen that it has just become a phenomenon which within itself i mean we won't go into everything because we could get into it forever but there are some some things that happen there are ufos people think they have seen bigfoot there there's something like a terror bird that's there it's called a thunderbird which is a pterodactyl like bird that has a wingspan of 8 to 12 feet which like that's crazy And then within that, there's also like ghost sightings, enormous dogs. There's a lot of cult activity that happened there. A lot of um, cattle and animal mutilations. There's also um, supposed curse that is there. So there's a swampland that is there. And during the colonization of Massachusetts, there was a war between um, the colonizers and the Native Americans. And during that, a sacred belt was lost. And since that sacred belt's been lost, there has been all this turmoil. So pretty interesting. I would say the last UFO sighting that was in 1994 was actually uh, reported by a Bridgewater policeman. Pretty cool, right? Now, Ben, do you have you ever been to Bridgewater? Or have you had any um, experience there or with this? 
this? Uh, I've been to Bridgewater, but I've never actually had any paranormal experiences or anything. I've heard of it, but uh, I've actually never had anything happen personally to me. Very cool. So if you were to go, like what, say like we're going to do like an overnight and we're going to like hunt out these like paranormal things. What would you hope for? Would you hope for a UFO? Would you hope for Bigfoot? Would you hope for Thunderbird? Would you hope for a ghost? A good night's rest. I feel you. My demons are all inside me too. Um, no, that's hysterical. But yeah, I think it'd be so cool. I love haunting. So I will say I did kind of misunderstand the assignment for this one. I just find the Bridgewater Triangle would be super fascinating. No, that's actually a legend or a lore. I mean, it's called the Bridgewater Triangle. So, you know, it is. it does fit into this. So... You know, it's kind of fascinating that you know, there's like a, a, a triangle area in, in the Bridgewater area that all paranormal stuff happens at. I mean, it's like the Bermuda Triangle. You know, triangles seem to be like the thing where like people have all kinds of supernatural experiences. Absolutely. It probably has to do something with like points and the devil and whatever. But I think it's I think it's very cool. I'd love to be haunted. I'd love to go see a ghost haunting. Um, I actually have a friend who is a paranormal hunter. She saw a ghost up in Vermont. I think that's really cool. I think the other world is out there and we're just so close to it. We got to find it. Yeah. Um, my friend does black and white photography uh, for people that do paranormal experience experimentations and uh he tells me like he sees all kinds of crazy stuff so it's definitely like there's something out there you can't say that you know there's there's not there's some kind of energy in the world i mean if you look at like the electricity you don't see electricity but if you stick a fork in the thing you're going to get shocked so you might not see that power but you know it's there and the same thing with paranormal i mean you don't see it you may not ever see a ghost you may not ever experience anything but people do see it and people more in tune to see it absolutely that's why i fully believe in like psychics and mediums and i think that stuff is so cool i'd love to know i mean what do you think happens when we die so I actually saw my dad when he died. They let me go downstairs into the Salem Hospital to see him. And it was kind of sad and depressing for me. Like it was awful because my father, but I noticed something. And w- what it was, was when he had passed, his eyes were open and they didn't shut them like they're supposed to. Cause, so when they pulled the, the sheet back, I actually saw my father's face. And um, my father had these glowing eyes, like his eyes just was like full of life. And when I looked at him, it was just dull. And you could tell that whatever was inside him had gone. So I truly believe that there is a soul, a spirit in all of us. That's beautiful and haunting. I I can't believe you have done that. That's amazing. So where do you believe this soul is now? Do you believe in reincarnation? Do you believe in the idea of heaven and hell? What what are your thoughts? Okay, so I, with me, I believe in all religions. I do. I think all religions have good points and all of them are valid. You know, to, there's a lot of good things in each religion. You know, uh, Christianity, Catholicism, uh, Buddhism, uh, Judaism, uh, Wiccan. Each one of them has these beautiful points. And if you look at them, they all have the, the basic premise of, you know, we're all going to go on in life and go someplace. Uh, where? Who knows? But um, do I believe in heaven? <sighs> I, I don't know if I believe in heaven because like you got all these people up in heaven like doing what? I mean, what are they doing? I don't believe the soul is just wandering around talking to everybody all day. Is I mean, there's got to be, there's more, but I don't know what it is. I think that's a great way to put it because I agree with you. There's more, but it can't be just like gold harps and robes, right? Like it has to be, has to be something better than that. Um, I don't know. I feel like we have a third story in the room. Are they ready? Are you excited? I'm excited because you know what this is? This is Silent Ben talking. Hey guys, uh, we saw the Batman yesterday, by the way. Great film. So uh, I'm going to read about Tutankhamun's Curse, a story from ancient Egypt. So this is uh, by Richard Cavendish of History Today. 
late in 1922, the British archaeologist Howard Carter discovered the tomb of Pharaoh Tutankhamun, who died in 1323 BC, aged about 18, in the Valley of the Kings across the Nile from Luxor in Egypt. Pharaohs had been buried there from the 16th to the 11th centuries BC. Most of the tombs had been plundered from early times, and Tutankhamun's was the first to be found almost entirely undisturbed. The fifth Earl of Carnarvon, a keen amateur Egyptologist who was financing the project, joined Carter and his team to enter the burial chambers where they found the young pharaoh's mummified body and a wealth of religious objects, wall paintings, and inscriptions, as well as equipment he would need in the afterlife. The discovery created a worldwide press sensation. Stories spread about a curse on anyone who dared to break into a pharaoh's tomb. The Times in London and New York World Magazine published the best-selling novelist Marie Corelli's speculations that the most dire punishment follows any rash intruder into a sealed tomb. It was not long before Lord Carnarvon died in Cairo, aged 56, and the lights in the city went out, which set off a frenzy of speculation. Arthur Conan Doyle told the American press that an evil elemental spirit created by priests to protect the mummy could have caused Carnarvon's death. No curse had actually been found in the tomb, but deaths in succeeding years of various members of Carter's team and real or supposed visitors to the site kept the story alive, especially in cases of death by violence or in odd circumstances. Alleged victims of the curse included Prince Ali Kamel Bami Bey, I hope I pronounced that right, of Egypt. He was shot dead by his wife in 1923, one year after the tomb was excavated. Sir Archibald Douglas Reed, who supposedly x-rayed the mummy and died mysteriously in 1924. Sir Lee Stack, the governor general of the Sudan, who was assassinated in Cairo in 1924. Arthur Mace of Carter's excavation team, said to have died of arsenic poisoning in 1928. Carter's secretary, Richard Bethel, who supposedly died smothered in his bed in 1929 and his father, who committed suicide in 1930. Most people who worked in or visited the tomb lived longer lives, but this did not undermine belief in the curse by those who wanted to believe it. Carter himself angrily dismissed the whole curse idea as Tommy Rot. That was a quote. (laughs) But when he died solitary and miserably unhappy of Hodgkin's disease in his London flat in March 1939 at the age of 64, The story of the mummy's curse sprang back to life in his obituaries, and it has persisted to this day. So very interesting. And I love how your story tied into what we're talking about with the afterlife, because, I mean, ancient Egypt is one of the richest parts, I think, of lore and of mysticism. And I think it's really interesting to see all these related deaths come out of this one curse. Yeah, I thought that. It was. Um, it made sense that everybody speculated about a curse when all these things kept taking place. But I was also a little skeptical of the connection of all those deaths. I mean, some of them were really violent, like maybe his wife was just really uh, miserable in their relationship and shot him dead. Or uh, uh, some of them desi- died of older age, like, like Carter died of older age. And even though he, was, he had Hodgkin's disease and it was very painful for him when he went through that and eventually died of it you might say that's more of a natural cause so i don't know was it a little bit of a stretch to say they're all connected to a curse maybe but i mean ancient egypt is so full of those kind of like mythological stories um you have to wonder and like i want to say in like 88 or 89 parts of the 
excavation came to Boston. I actually went with the school field trip. Uh, my high school went. We saw some of the stuff, and it was really beautiful artifacts. I mean, I thought it was great. And they mentioned the curse. They mentioned the deaths, and you know, and kind of freaked you out a little bit if you stay in the next. Like, wait a minute, you know, is this like uh, something I can bring home with me? <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at these artifacts, and I'm near them. I mean, is this something that brushes off on people that are looking at them? So you know, I mean, it, it's it's something that you sit there and go, you know. All these stuff can't be like it has to be some kind of relation to it because the debts are just tragic and awful and like not everybody like that goes into like archaeology dies like that but these people all had some kind of tragic misfortune befall them and it's interesting because I think when you get into archaeology you have to know that I mean that's like rampant within it is these mysticism and these ideas so I think it's really interesting because like I think it just shows that you have to be a true lover of knowledge and a true adventurer to like risk your life to to follow through and find things like this. Yeah, I've always been interested in ancient Egypt just because there's so many questions like how did uh, that ancient civilization come to be and where did it go? Like what happened to everyone and how are they so, so capable of everything they accomplished? And so I always found it really interesting. Yeah, I think that's one of the main things about Indiana Jones. Uh, it shows like he's going out trying to find all these like archaeological treasures for preservation, but there's also the dark side where people steal it for the black market and like you said like you know it's it's interesting to see what happened to these cultures you know and like a lot of the stuff is lost because people stole it and you know sold it on the black market so you know a lot of the stuff you'll never know the story behind it you know and it's kind of sad you know i mean you want you want to know why these people built the pyramids why these people did the sun domes you know why these people built all this stuff we, we need to know this stuff you know as as human beings our, our, our curiosity is always peak but isn't also a lot of it history erased because of colonizers and white supremacy coming in and desecrating these lands and basically overtaking them and ruining them with like Christianity and Catholicism. I mean, look at look at everything that the Europeans, the Spanish, the French, the English, like they have all taken from different colon countries and cultures. Like, I mean, you could say that there's just pieces of history stolen and sitting in museums that people pay $20 to look at for admission every day. I mean, it's it's really heartbreaking to see, but it's also, but on the other side of the coin, it's interesting because now everyone can learn, but is it in the right ways? Oh, I 100% agree. Uh, if you look at the, the story of Jesus, um, if you look at the pictures of Jesus, He's got the, you know, the, the mustache, the, the beard trim. He's a knight from England. There's no way a white guy was in that area during the time period they talk about. So Jesus could not have possibly looked like the way they depict him. But since the knights came in and took over, that's the way they want him depicted. Exactly. And I mean, even if you look at Michelangelo, he created one of images of Jesus after his lover. I mean, so, I mean, it's all subjective. I mean, no one knows. But if we're looking historically... Jesus was a person of color from the Middle East, not a white man with long hair that looks like a knight. And I want to say thank you, Silent Ben, for sharing your voice with us because it's a nice voice. I was a little hypnotized when you were talking. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Stunning. I, my heart pounded in my chest. Listen, guys, listen, I don't know who's listening, but he belongs to Kira. <laughs> so don't play that. Don't be, don't be sending stuff in saying, can I get Silent Ben's number because you're not going to get it. You can't get it. I'm laughing. I'm so sorry. I have tears in my eyes. No, Silent Ben, we love having him on the podcast. He's a he's a huge support for us. And I, I loved when you shared your story. I'm not being I'm not being facetious. I'm being serious. Actually, it's a very interesting story, and I'm glad you shared. And I'm hoping we can get you on more. Uh, we're going to be doing some sports stuff. So Ben said if we do sports stuff, he's more adamant to talk. Um, we're going to lose Kara, 
<laughs> we're gonna have it. It will be a good trade off. I'll uh, I'll just pop in here and there with some <laughs> anecdotes about to keep all the other listeners engaged. <laughs> Much appreciated. So um, recently we put up a thing on Instagram uh, that shows about what's happening, and we got a huge response. And I'd like to thank everybody that like signed on and liked the the, the photo, and uh, a lot of people from the LGBTQT community. Uh, that was great. And like uh, our podcast is dare to be different. You know, do you do you you do you. Don't let no one change you because that's not how life's supposed to be. Also, we want to shout out um, whoever nominated us for People's Choice. We appreciate you. We're blessed, touched. Um, we can't even believe it. Um, we will put out all the information later, but July 1st is when voting gets up. So keep that in the back of your brains. We'll keep trying to bring you fun, interesting, inspiring content week to week. And we hope you guys enjoy listening to us. Yes, and thanks again. And I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, tune in next time to What's Happening.